have a special uh, couple with us this morning that I'm so delighted um, that they are here with us. And I just want to say a few words of introduction for them. Um, and I'm going to ask them to go ahead and come on up, if you will. Um, walking on stage this morning uh, are um, the Bufords. This is Terry Buford and his wife, um, Michelle. This is Terry and his wife, Michelle. They uh, served in the Philippines for 30 years. Um, they gave their life to, uh, to see people come to Christ in the Philippines. And I, we got to meet them uh, in October at the conference that we went to. Um, and they are a delightful couple. Um, just a special moment just to uh, um, say thank you. I don't know if you knew this or not, but whenever you prayed with my wife and I, I'm at the conference. It meant so much to us. Sorry. Uh, but these men and women, uh, this man and woman serve the Lord uh, and they are faithful servants, and they're going to come speak just a little bit about their time in the Philippines um, as we're pushing Lottie Moon. And I pray that this speaks to your heart, challenges you, um, and I pray that uh, uh, you hear their story and uh, you'd be challenged to give. Um, so I'm going to let them speak for just a few moments. Thank you, Stephen, for, the, for inviting us to come, and Pastor Brian for allowing just a few minutes we want to take to thank you and give you an opportunity to share with you about how you have supported uh, international missions over the years, and you will continue to do so. Just back in July, we actually started a new three-year assignment of processing new missionary uh, applicants who are going to the nations to serve the Lord. And it's such a privilege and joy to hear the stories of younger people, we're old people now, uh, but hear, hear how God is working in their hearts and how they're willing to leave their families <clears throat> and go to the hard places. This reminds us of 30 years ago when we said a teary goodbye to our families and we boarded the plane to go to the Philippines. And when we arrived, we were strange. We were a different skin color and eye color and everything. And so people stared at us everywhere and the children followed us everywhere we went. It was hard to find privacy. We felt like we were living in a fishbowl. But we started learning the language. Every day we learned a little bit, and then we went out and we practiced with the people that would be willing to take some time with us. And little by little, the, we grew in our, language, in our knowledge of the language. Our job was to start churches. We're church planners. So I went out and shared the gospel and discipled new believers, baptized them, and, and formed them into churches that hopefully reproduced as well, and I know some of them did. The challenge came that the majority of Filipinos are animistic Catholic, not just Catholic in name, but they're animistic. So they're busy doing things to appease the unseen spirits, as well as trying to do rituals, praying to they really do worship Mary in the Philippines and to the saints and, and praying for good luck and other things to happen. And so over and over we hear people say, but I was born a Catholic and I'm going to die a Catholic. But there were those who did believe and trusted the Lord. Just last year we ran across a, <clears throat> a couple of ladies and they were in crisis when they had a death in the family. And and. And we found out that they were already believers and that they, we asked, we joined together with them and started a church in their home. 
and the oldest sister Ms and the oldest and the younger sister Bing actually became ministry partners with us, especially with Michelle, but we all work, work together, and we go out weekly, sometimes twice a week, actually, and we went to the villages, shared the gospel, uh, whether it was rainy or sunny or whatever the weather was, and we went together and shared uh, the gospel, and when some of the uh, fam- other family members actually came to faith and they said they wanted to be baptized, they want, of course, they want the white, white uh, uh, man to baptize them. But what I did was I took their youngest brother, who was a believer in Christ, boom, and I trained him to do the baptism. I assisted him, but he was the one who did the baptizing because he's the one that's going to be left behind. Currently, we're working with a group of journeymen, and we will meet with them at a missions conference in March. So this last week, we were interviewing a young woman from New Orleans. She is involved in a ministry that goes to Bourbon Street and visits in the clubs to work with the women there and share the gospel there. And she told about how this last year, three women have come to Christ and have broken free of their life of sin in the sex industry. And so we're just so glad to see that God has called her, given her a passion and the courage to go out even into the world where we know that sex trafficking has become the slave trade of today. One question she did ask as we were interviewing, he said, because she had heard that journeymen were going to have to raise half of their support. These are the short-term, two-year assignment people. And that that, uh, announcement has been put on pause. Because the problem is... This is something that IMB has been wrestling with for six years. I don't know, ever since the economic downturn in about 2008, when giving cut back, we've started cutting back the number of missionaries we're sending. We're, se- we're selling properties all over the world. We, s- we s- sold a lot of properties in the Philippines that we were using. We're downsizing because of the shortage of money. But yet God is still calling people like Stephen and Holly, this lady that we mentioned, others, quality people that God is calling. And then we have to decide, fortunately, not just Michelle and I, it's a committee, but it's such a hard decision. Which ones do we allow to go and which ones can't go, even though they feel called and have a passion to go to the nations? Missionaries on the field have chosen priority assignments for the unreached in their area. Unreached people are people that will not hear the gospel. They will live and die without ever having an opportunity to to accept or reject Christ. So those are the ones that are just an urgent priority for us to send people to. God wants us to go to the nations. Just this morning, actually, I read a statistic that of all the uh, missionaries in the world, not just IMB, missionaries in the world, there's one missionary, evangelical missionary, for every 500,000 Muslims in the world. The needs are great. People need the gospel. And if they don't hear the gospel, they will spend an eternity in hell. It doesn't sound fair to maybe you and I, 
but it is fair. And so everything that we have comes from God's hand. Can we put aside sometimes our pleasures and things that we have and replace them with eternal treasures that last forever? Let's use the riches that God has blessed us with. Some of you have suffered through the economic downturn. Maybe you're jobless right now or you have gone through whatever. But yet, if you ever go on a mission trip, we are filthy rich compared to the majority of the world. Thank you for praying for missionaries. Thank you for giving. And I want to encourage you to give, continue to give sacrificially. Thank you. Um, as I said, well, first of all, thank you guys so much for sharing. Um, thank you for what you have done for the Lord um, and your following uh, and obedience to him. And uh, I want to say personally, we love you guys. Um, and I want to um, ask you guys, if you will, um, just whenever, whenever service is over, come tell these people thank you um, for being obedient to the Lord. Love on them. Get some wisdom from them. They are incredibly wise. Um, and so I just I want to ask that from you. Um, but as I said last week, and I've been saying in the past couple of weeks, there are 2.1 billion unreached peoples in the world. Just, um, David Platt said at a conference that we went to, um, as I said last week, the difference between um, the person in your workplace has never heard the gospel, and or, I mean that, that doesn't know Jesus, and the person that has never heard the gospel in, um, say, Southeast Asia, is that they have you there with them that they get to hear the gospel from you. Some of these people have never heard the name of Jesus ever before in their life, and they're dying and going and spending eternity away from God because they've never heard it. And the Lord is calling people like Holly and I overseas, but we need, we need funding to be able to go. And so I want to ask you guys, pray about what the Lord wants you to give um, towards the Lottie Moon. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for us. Um, I'm going to pray for the unreached, and Brian's going to come and preach a message for us. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you're good, you're gracious, and you're merciful. Father, I thank you that your mercies are renewed every morning. God, that you are great. God, that you are faithful. And great is your faithfulness. And Father, I thank you, God, that you have a plan for each and every one of us. Some of us is here to stay and share the good news with those who um, don't know you here. Some of us to go to the far side of the seas. But Father, God, you have a plan. God, that you have enacted from the beginning of time that God is I'm going to carry out until you return. And so, Father, I pray that you help us to be faithful as the church. Um, God, to be on mission for you, to share, God, with those in our workplaces, in our homes. And, Father, to share with those who have never heard about you ever cease, God, as we, um, as we await your glorious return. Father, I thank you that your word promises that a representative from every nation, every tribe, and every tongue will stand before you. And, Father, I pray that you use us as a part of that mission. God, use us as a part of that promise. God, use us to be obedient, to go and to serve and to give and to pray towards that end. Father, I thank you like wonderful couples like the Bufords, Father, that you have called to go and serve and give a life to see your name proclaimed. And Father, I pray that you send many more. Send laborers into your harvest, Father. It is your harvest. You are in control of it. And I pray that you send laborers into that harvest. And Father, I pray that you put on our hearts, God, what you want us to give. God, help us to be a part of this. Help us to be faithful in giving. Help us to be faithful in praying. And God, may you use us in your great plan of redemption. Father, I love you so much. I thank you for Christ. And it's his glorious name that we pray. Amen.
Let's do this. It was some 15 or 20 years ago. We were all sitting around a Christmas tree. It was uh, my mom's side of the family on Christmas Eve, and we were opening gifts. I was opening a gift from an aunt, and as I opened the gift, here is what I saw. I saw one stick of lip balm and a can. And on the can was a picture of a badger. It was badger's hand salve. And I didn't say anything, but the facial expression that was on my face spoke thousands of words, I guess. My aunt was looking at me as I opened the gift and everybody else opened their gifts. And afterwards, I said, thank you. And she said, you don't mean it. And so we had this conversation. You know, it's at this point, as I was writing my sermon, I was thinking, you know, I don't know if I really like to share truth statements of my life with you because there is a small inkling in me that I like people to like me. And so I need you to understand that this was 15 or 20 years ago when I was younger and dumber, that hopefully over these last 20 years, uh, things have changed. And um, she said, you know what, let's just do this, Brian. I just won't buy you any gifts anymore. I didn't like that because I like to open gifts. And so that's how we left it. A few months passed. like nine, and I was sitting there on my desk, I was looking at my desk, and on my desk was this badger's hand salve that I had used a lot because it was good, and God convicted me. He said, you know what, Brian, you you need to tell your aunt that uh, you use it, thank you, and so I wrote her a letter, I told her I was sorry, Please forgive me. And I handed her the letter, watched her read it, and I personally told her that I was sorry. Um, Since that time, I have uh, used Burt's lip balm, and I have used Badger hand salve, and I don't get any money whatsoever. If you go out and purchase any of those two, I I get no royalties there. But um, this morning we are looking at a passage of Scripture that... You know, intrinsically, it is not in the Christmas story, but I believe that it is something that you and I will partake in, and you and I will, if we are not careful, we may look ourselves in the mirror and say, you know what, that's exactly who we are. If you have a copy of God's Word, turn with me over to Luke chapter 10. And we're going to see a story of a woman named Martha and a lady named Mary. 
And I've entitled the sermon, A Family Gift, What a Martha Needs for Christmas. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 down through verse 42. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But, but Martha, she was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. You're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. Let me read that for us one more time, let it sink in. You think about these three main characters, Jesus, Martha, and Mary. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we look at this passage this morning, God, as we see a family gift, as we see how you acted and how you reacted to this situation between two sisters as they joined with you, as you joined with them. Father, would we uh, understand Father, would we apply, not just for this season, but Father, would we apply this word for our lives? God, I thank you. I thank you that you loved us so much, you loved me so much that, God, you you sent your son. Lord, this is the season that we celebrate his birth. This is the season that we are reminded of what you did for us by coming. Thank you that you didn't just come as a baby, but Father, Jesus lived a perfect life. He died a death that I totally deserved, that we could not pay. God, you are powerful over the grave. We serve a risen Savior. We ask it in His name in the name that is above every name, of heaven and earth and under the earth, all for your glory, we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Two points this morning as we look at this passage. The first is this. It's going to be a comparison and a contrast, more of a contrast than comparing, but a contrast both of their positions, Martha's and Mary's positions, as well as their focus. 
And there is a huge contrast. It is a huge contrast between the position of Martha and that of Mary and also the focus of Martha and Mary this morning. So if you look back over these verses, what is the position of Mary, excuse me, of Martha? I believe that there are really two positions that are spoken to. The first is that of her physical position and then that of her emotional position that she is projecting toward Jesus and everybody else in the house. Physically, here is her position. She's running around the house. She is serving. She is running ragged, and that is what is going on. I don't know if she did not know if Jesus was coming or not. I don't know if he stopped and it was not planned, but something was happening in her or if this was just how she was every single day. That is not here in the text. But we do see that when Jesus shows up, it looks as if Martha has her head chopped off and she is running around the barnyard just flapping her wings absolutely everywhere. She is serving, she is running around ragged, Um, she's cooking, she's cleaning, she's baking the bread, she's getting juice, she's getting something to drink, she's making a K-Roger trip, and for those that don't know, that's Kroger, she's going there and trying to figure out what she needs for Jesus, she comes back home, she is cooking some more, Mary all the time is just sitting at Jesus feet. Martha is running around. She is cooking, cleaning, and she forgets something at Kroger, so she has to go to Dollar General because it's closer to her house, and so she goes there and she picks up something else, comes back, and all the time she wants to have these great conversations with all of her guests, but she can't. Have you ever been there? Physically, she is all over the place. Look where she is emotionally. It's almost, if not it is, it is worse than where she is physically. Emotionally, Scripture states that she was distracted. Look there in verse number 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving. She went up to the Lord And she went up and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. The word distracted there, it literally means that she was overburdened and pulled away from the proper reference point. She was overburdened. And she was being pulled away from the proper reference point. There is a huge contrast physically and emotionally between Martha and her sister Mary that is stated in these verses. Physically, she's going everywhere. Physically, Mary is seated at the feet of Jesus. Emotionally, she just explodes and she says... Do you not care, Lord? I'm serving all alone. I am the only person doing this. As I was thinking, I 
I was not thinking about my wife, but sometimes in our house, you know, when the uh, trash can is full and there's four boxes of cereal right beside it on the counter and you just try to put one more napkin on it and it all just falls off and in the floor and the statement goes, well, I guess the trash is going to take itself out to the trash can. Or the sink and the piles of dishes. Y'all are looking so spiritual at me. Uh, the, the sink and all the piles of dishes. You try to put one more cup and, and it just overflows. You might find yourself in the kitchen and you are just talking to yourself out loud so that everybody can hear you. And you're just gently putting down this dish or that dish so that the whole street can hear What's going on? That's where Martha was emotionally. Vocally, that's where she was. She's worried about dust bunnies and the couch. She's worried about food. Let's just step back for just a moment and... And just think about who Martha is for just a second. She is a close friend of Jesus, okay? We understand. Her being a close friend of Jesus, she has heard the stories of what he has done. Do y'all remember what he did? He took a Lunchable and served 5,000 men. That's what he did, okay? And she's worried about lunch, Martha's words stated here by Jesus that she's anxious, that she is distracted. And her words are placing her emotionally and verbally on some thin ice. Because she's looking down at her sister. She's looking down at everybody else in the house. And she's saying to them, You know what? I'm the only person here that's working and nobody cares about that or about me. She's looking down or she's looking haughty toward her sister. She's thinking that she's all alone, that nobody cares about this meal. Oh, woe is me. I'm locked up back here in the kitchen and nobody is helping me. Martha was mad. She was upset that she was in the kitchen and Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. She finds herself on this shaky ground as she calls out to her Lord, as she accuses her sister, and as she is asking her Lord to command her sister to get up and come help her. All the while, Mary found herself sitting at the Savior's feet. What a difference. Martha and Mary's position are different, but also their focus. Because Martha was focused on all the little things that had to go about with a guest coming to the house or with a meal. And Mary was focused on the king. Don't think that I'm trying to say something to you men or to you ladies about a meal that it still needs to be cooked. 
okay? The house still needs to be presentable. There doesn't need to be a stack of Field and Stream or Golf Digest or whatever other magazines that just fill up a basket and overflow it. Or, you know, the other night, uh, the week before Thanksgiving, I was a bachelor and I had some folks over, some guys over, some of you came over for, uh, to watch a half of a football game and I left out a honeydew that was supposed to be done like 16 months ago and I finally said, you know what, Paige and the kids are gone so I will get this done. And just in case I forgot, I left the gallon of paint right in the middle of the floor that all I had to do was step over it to make sure that I did not forget to, hey, I need to paint right there. And so some of the guys came over and I forgot to pick up the gallon of paint. I was like, oh, that's terrible. I'm glad Paige doesn't know this, but now she does. But our projects from seven years ago, over stacked neatly up against the corner, that doesn't necessarily need to be there. Mary knew what the focus needed to be, and her focus was right at the feet of Jesus. Do you see the words there for Mary? She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet. And catch this next word. And listened to his teaching. Some of you today, you're going to hear the teaching. You're going to hear this sermon. You're hearing it right now, but listening is different than hearing. Hearing is you hear it with your physical ears and there is a noise that's coming in. Listening is you not only hear it, but you take it in and you personalize it, and you change. Mary was listening to his teaching. Martha found herself, her position and her focus was such that she was in a position for a good coronary and was just about to plow her top with this scene. Second, let's look and see how Jesus champions a better way. We see the contrast of Martha and Mary and their position, their focus, and now I want you to see the answer that Jesus gives Martha as He is championing a better way for you and for me this Christmas, and He's championing a better way for you and me just in life. In doing so, In verse 41 and verse 42, Jesus brings about three aspects. He states this, But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. As Jesus comes to answer this complaint, as Jesus comes to enter, he steps into this Uh, conversation and in this conversation he has one that is going chaotic all around him and he says to her in answering her beef so to speak he answers it three ways first he shatters a myth Jesus shatters a myth 
in Martha and he shatters a myth in you and me. What is the myth? The myth is this. Busyness equals faithfulness. Martha thought this had to be done, so therefore I have to do this. I have to do, I have to do, I have to do, I have to do. I am busy, 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 busy. And that means that I am faithful and that is not the case. Just because one is busy does not mean that they are okay or that they are faithful or anything else. All it means is that they are busy. That's all it means. She was busy, and that is not good, bad, or ugly necessarily. That is just that she was busy, but her busyness turned her focus away from what it should have been onto the things that are temporary or that are just for now instead of sitting at his feet and listening to his teaching, which is not only good for the moment, but also for all eternity. Being busy oftentimes doesn't give God time to speak into your life. There's no downtime for you. There's no downtime for me. No time with him, and therefore there is no time to sit at his feet, soaking in what is to be your greatest relationship he shatters a myth but not only does he shatter a myth he confronts a fear what do you think is driving Martha's fear I was thinking about that what what is driving Martha's fear I think there are a couple of things as I looked at it that might be driving her fear. The first is this, uh, the thing is not going to get done unless I do it. And then probably mainly, or is a second one, people will think poorly of me. Does that drive your fear? You think you're the only person that's going to do it? If it's going to get done, you're the only one that's going to do it, so therefore you have to be busy about doing it. Or is what this fear in your life is kind of what I said at the beginning, that I, I kind of like people to like me, just a little bit, not very much, but just a little bit, I do. And so I'm afraid that they will think poorly of me this way or that way. People will think poorly of me. And as those things, or whatever was driving her fear, came about, Jesus said to her, Martha, Martha. It's not that he was scolding her. It was a, that emphasis there was that of importance. His whole focus and his whole attention was on her. And he wanted her to understand, hey, there is nobody else in the room. I'm not talking to anybody else. I am talking to you, Martha. And as I talk to you, Martha, I want you to know, the love that I have for you. I want you to know I'm speaking into your life, Martha, as a friend, as your Lord. You're anxious and you're troubled about so many things. But Martha, you need to be reminded there's one thing that's necessary. One thing that is necessary. He confronts this fear in her and he confronts a fear in you and in me as well finally we see that jesus shows a better way he champions this better way it, it it's a better 
outcome, a better understanding, a better way for her to live and how for you and me to live. Here's what he's saying. And he says it to you today. Because we're oftentimes like Martha. He says, why don't you just come and be with me? That's more important than whatever meal you're cooking. Why don't you just come and spend some time with me? Because that's better than having a clean living room. Why don't you just come and just sit at my feet and hear what I have to say? Because what I have to say is so much more important than dessert. Jesus shows a better way in him desiring for us to come and be with him. His approval is a gift. It's nothing that Martha could have done or did. It's nothing that Mary could have done or that she did. It was a gift. His presence in their house, his presence with you and with me is a gift. And his approval is a gift. Psalm 1611, we read it, heard it this morning. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, David states, in your presence there is fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The best thing for you and the best thing for me is the first thing. Psalm 127 verse 1 states, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. You and I have fears. You and I have a personality. You and I find ourselves possibly exactly like Martha or exactly like Mary. If we're exactly like Mary, may we be reminded today to stay there. If we're exactly like Martha, may we be reminded, you know, that's good and that's not the best. Don't be distracted as the busyness of this season comes about. Don't be distracted and don't be anxious and troubled over the things that are happening this year. There's always going to be things that need to be done. The question is not what needs to be done. The question is, what does Jesus want me to do? Solomon stated it this way in Proverbs chapter 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths. This week I needed to be reminded. I need to be reminded a couple of things about our Savior and about our Lord. Number one, He is omnipresent. He's everywhere at all times. I needed to be reminded this week that He's omnipotent. What does that mean? That means He's all-powerful. I needed to be reminded this week that Jesus is all-knowing. He's omniscient. And I needed to be reminded, and I believe that I've I hope that I will not have to be reminded again this season that Jesus is omnicompetent. He is. 
He is competent in every situation that comes up. Whether it's chaos at a meal, in a connect group, at work, in church, at 34 Tanner Cove, at the house, on the side of the road because of a car breaking down, He is there. My prayer for you and my prayer for me is the same this morning, that you and I would find ourselves not like Martha, but we would find ourselves more like Mary. Sitting at his feet, listening to his teaching. Father, we come. Father, this time of year, we have to-do list on top of to-do list. We have things to decorate the house, decorate ourselves, presents to buy, places to go. Father, I pray that I would be reminded this morning, you have reminded me, Father, I would be reminded What a Martha like me needs for Christmas is to sit and focus on you. Father, we come this morning thankful. God, we come expecting. Expecting you to speak into our hearts and into our lives. This time of worship was not one-sided. It was not one-sided from us up to you. You desire and you speak into our hearts and into our lives. Father, I pray that, that we aren't pulled away from the reference point of you so much that we can't hear you Father, if that's where I find myself, if that's where we find ourselves, Lord, would we come back this morning? For you are right there. God, you continue to desire to love on us, to love on me, to lead me and lead us in a straight path. Time of invitation.